Open your Bibles in the book of Luke. Luke. Let me try to do that. Luke. Luke. And we are going to we are going to review another parable of Jesus. And it's a short one probably, but with a lot of meaning. Something happened around that parable that we all need to know. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. I'm going to try to go a little fast on the and the B and the the whole thing except the parable the, 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 the parable which I want to emphasize a few things there. Verse number 36. If you have your Bibles, read with me or follow in your Bible. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she, whipped, she wiped them with her hair, kissing them and poured perfume on them. And I'm going to stop there. I was reading all those uh, verses like that. I didn't stop because I just want to say a few things about those verses other than going one by one. First of all, as you know, the Bible so far does not mention the name of the Pharisee. Nothing. So far, clean, nice. It's only a Pharisee who invites Jesus Christ to his house. And Jesus Christ did, I mean, Jesus Christ didn't decline the invitation. He went to his house. Now, the Bible says that as I was reading, he go there and he reclined. King James Version said, he said he was sitting. Who is right? Well, the truth is that that word, what it says is, is not reclining or is not sitting, is laying. He laid down or he laid on whatever pouch was there. That's the way they used to do it. Why do I mention that? Because after that, the Bible also says that we just finished reading, says that the woman was behind Jesus Christ. He was, she was behind Jesus Christ and she starts crying and just all those tears went down to his feet and she starts doing the drying with her hair. And then the perfume. When they used to be laying down, it was, let's say, like a bed, like a table like that, lower level, and then these kind of like long uh, seats right there. And if the person was sitting right there, the one who, who was inviting everybody, everybody lay down like a car, like go like that. So you lay down with your feet over there and you kind of like relaxing, eating, talking with the person. You can see everybody. And you just, so this woman was behind him somewhere here. Now the Bible also mentions that this woman, and I'm going to emphasize this a, 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 a little bit more here. Verse 37, who had lived a sinful life in that town. Many people think it was Mary Magdalene. That's what people think, but that's not who she is. This woman who was living a sinful life is not that she was a liar. 
you know. She got to be known as the liar of the town. It's not that she was probably uh, a thief. You think that's that sin, thief, being a thief? That's a sin. But it's not about that. Everybody knows that when the Bible says she was a sinner in that town, especially when it says in that town, and a specific place, means something that that woman was doing that everybody else knew about it. And she was supposed to be ashamed of that. And what's that? You know the answer. She probably was a prostitute. But everybody asked this question. How come she goes to that house after knowing Jesus was there? She opens the house and she goes there with no problem at all. Some people think maybe this Pharisee knew something about her or maybe you know what I mean. She knew very well about her because that happened many times. But then he was, you know, watching all of that, this Pharisee. Jesus was receiving this special treatment. And then the Pharisee also says, verse number 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, he didn't spoke up loud, to himself, he was thinking, if this man were a prophet, he will know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. That she is a sinner. He was thinking. Jesus was receiving all of that. All of that was happening. Jesus didn't say anything. And he was thinking, probably watching. <laughs> if this man is a prophet, which by then when he's mentioned in that, he only invites Jesus according to everybody else, only to check him out, okay? Come on, come to my house. Maybe I want to know a little bit about, I mean, about you, but that doesn't mean I, I believe you are the Messiah. I believe you are a prophet. Hmm, now that's one more thing that I know now, that you are not a prophet. Because if you are a prophet, you will know by now who is that woman. Hmm. You know, it will be interesting to have something that you can spot people from far away and you can see and you can see inside their hearts, you know. It will be very interesting if I can do this and I see a Joanna there, Dr. Holness there. Some of you are smiling because now I have a close-up of you. <laughs> Don't smile too much. I can see the cavities and all of that. There is Martha smiling, looking around. There is Bob, big chick, looking. There he is, Karen, there is Kat. Some of you are actually waving at me. <laughs> if this will have the property, the, 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 the effect of the, of the good thing of knowing exactly once I start watching like Imers, oh, you are way too close. Once I start watching Imers in his head, and then I go down a little bit more to his chest, if this will have the property of seeing all of your sins and what you are thinking, will you probably be doing this thing to me? <laughs> will you probably be doing that if you know that I'm here watching Carla and then watching everybody else here, and then I exactly know what you are thinking, and I exactly know 
what sins you are committing. Really, will you probably be doing like, hey, pastor, look at me. And you are someone who is sleeping with somebody else and you're not supposed to. And you think, you do things that you are not supposed to be doing. And here we have this Pharisee who he thought, oh, I have those things. I can see from far away. But this guy is not a prophet. He can't even see that. Let's keep reading. Because here is when Jesus Christ said to him, Jesus answered him, Simon, now he calls him by name, Simon, I have something to tell you, Simon, I have something to tell you. And he probably was thinking, eh, okay, tell me, teacher. At first, when he was thinking, he was thinking, this guy is not a prophet. And now when he answers out loud, he said, yes, teacher, you have something to teach me today? I'm ready to listen. This man who thought this Jesus cannot read minds, cannot see the heart of, a, of I mean, anybody else, he cannot, I mean, if, if he cannot see that she is a sinner, <laughs> he definitely cannot read what I'm thinking. But Jesus, who is reading everything and watching everything, he called him by name and said, Simon, I have something to tell you. He didn't expect what Jesus is going to, you know, he didn't, he, he wasn't even thinking what Jesus is going to tell me now. We keep reading. Tell me, teacher, he said, verse 41. And this is the parable. Two men owe money to a certain money lender who owed him 500, how do you say that? Denarii? Very close to the same. And the other 50, 550. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. But now, which of them would love him more? Is the question. This is a very simple parable. He usually uses parables that are maybe, you know, with more details and people can be like, oh, wow, that and here. And all. Very simple. With a simple point to make and for a person, only one person to try to get the message. There are two men and they both own money. One owns 500, the other one owns 50. The person to which the money is supposed to be given, that person realizes that those two are not going to be able to pay that money. So he said, your debt is canceled. Don't worry, you don't owe me anything. Who is supposed to be loving more to the person who just canceled that debt? Who is going to feel more love for that person? To understand a little bit more maybe this, I don't want you to do what everybody else does sometimes. 
Okay, 500 denarii and 50. What it means is that in dollars, it, no. Many people do that, don't do it this time. Because we usually try to do that. The value, the monetary value, how much is that? But that's not the point of Christ. I want you to see it this way. If you read in Matthew, remember the story, the parable of this master who is going to get workers for the field. He goes in the morning, he pays them how much? One denarii for the whole day. And he goes in the afternoon and he pays the same amount for the people in the afternoon for a full day of work. If one of those coins is paid only for one day and 500 is supposed to be paid by one of them, how many days is that? 500 working days. How many months is that? Over a year, like a year and a half, being paid. I mean, we take the holidays and all of that. Working day and night to pay that. Forget the money value. Just think about the time. And the one who only owns 50, how many days is that? 50 days. And that's what? Like a month and a half. Now, the one who owns so much that he has to supposed to be working for a year and a half, suddenly receives this message, and he hears, you don't owe me anything. You don't have to work for a year and a half to give me back anything. Will you feel happy about it? Because every time you and me, we think about work, working from whatever time in the morning. Some of you wake up, I receive emails at 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't know if you ever sleep. 4 o'clock in the morning. Boom. Who's that? Somebody? I'm not going to say anything. Some people write emails at night. I mean, I don't know how long you work, but how long, I mean, what time you wake up. But if you have to wake up at 5 o'clock, go to work, and then come back by 5 o'clock at night or in the afternoon, doing it for a year and a half. And every time you go back to your house, you are just tired. You go there, sit. <sighs> you want something to eat? Just give me something to eat. And after that, you fall asleep because you're tired, and next day you have to wake up early again for a year and a half without receiving any cash other than just paying something that you cannot have for a year and a half. Is that relieving knowing that you don't have to be doing? I mean, is that something good that you will enjoy? Wow, I don't have to be doing that anymore. That's huge. Sure, the one who is going to enjoy more that, the benefit of being forgiven with all the debt, going to be the one that is supposed to be working for a year and a half. So the question that Jesus Christ is asking to Simon is, who is the one that loves more? Now let me tell you this. Simon replied, verse number 43, I suppose the one, sorry, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. 
I suppose, maybe, is the one that has a bigger debt, and he is still is thinking about a man of money. He is still is thinking about all that money that he's going to pay back, the amount of debt. I suppose that's the one. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but you, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil in my head, but she has poured perfume in my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little, loved little. Does that mean that you have to be sinning more so that way you can love more to God? I mean, if, it's that, if, if that's the formula, go ahead, Grace, Jimmy, you know. Go and sin a lot so that way you can come back and you can love God more. What about you, Jim? Time, come on, let's, come on, everybody. Let's go sin. And if you want to make it better, let's go sin in Sabbath. Let's make a double point. But when you come back next Sabbath, you are going to love God more because he has forgiven you so much. The point. It's not how much you sin. The point is not how big is your sin. The point for you and me is to understand something that through this parable was trying to be shown to Simon. First of all, two men. And people, when they start apart, they say, this is it. Two men. Those two men represents one represents the Pharisee and the other one represents Simon. The Pharisee is the one that owns 50. The, 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 uh, 50. the woman is the one that owns 500. The one that is supposed, I mean, the one that is supposed to be saying all your debts are canceled is who? And he's trying to send the message. It's not how big. It is that you and me, even the one with 50 and the one with 500, I mean with 500, they are both sinners. They both have debts. And they have to do something about it. And he was trying to call to his attention. You stand here, you Pharisee, and you tell me, oh, look, she's a sinner. You are a sinner also. Be careful, brothers, because we are easy to call names to people because they are sinners. I'm going to remind you something, and I hope you don't forget. We are sinners also. And the same way he was trying to send the message, both of you are sinners, they also have one solution. 
Both of them need to be their debt canceled. And that is going to be only by one person. In this, in this case, it's Jesus Christ, the only one who is going to cancel your debt. And I'm going to ask you, have, have, I mean, have he have done that already? Did that happen already or not? Why do we have people that they keep thinking we need to pay that debt and I need to live according to this and I need to do so many things when that debt has already been canceled and paid on the cross? When we start thinking like that is when we, as Christians or Adventists, we start seeing everybody, Jim, look at you. Oh, you are worse than me. Ah, and you know what? You are, you, you know, you're supposed to be, you know, people don't know you're supposed to be doing this. And because we think that we are different. We think that we are better than, every, than I mean, everybody else. We think that in order to pay the debt, we have to do something. But not, that's not what Christ is telling here. Church, please don't think anymore about them and us. They are lost, we are saved. They are outer sinning, we do not sin. We have to think. And what Jesus is trying to tell you and me today. You see, and he brings something into his face, the face of the Pharisee. He was, at first this, this whole thing happens. He gives the parable. Seems to be that he's not getting the message. And he asking a question so that way this Pharisee can do this. Okay, Pharisee, now you judge and you tell me. Who is right and who is wrong? Who is supposed to be loved more? Where well, I suppose the one who owns more? That's a good judgment. That's what you usually do, right? You judge. And then Jesus Christ came with the last part of that, of that story and said, okay, since that you know what's the best and you have just finished judging somebody, I want to tell you something. You were supposed to be receiving me at that door with water. Everybody else that comes to this house you have a servant waiting with, a, you know, with something with water so you can wash their feet. You haven't washed mine. What's wrong with you? And it's not only that. You were supposed to be receiving me with a kiss. Maybe in my hand or maybe in my cheek. A kiss. I haven't received a kiss. Where's my kiss? And you were supposed to be pouring perfume in my head and maybe a little bit in my face because it was so hot out there that I need some oil, perfume oil over me. You haven't given me anything. And you complain because this woman is doing all of the things you haven't done? Now that was rough. Because sometimes myself or maybe you. Sometimes we do the same thing with others. And it's time to change that. You see, you and me, we need to realize. When you own money, like in this parable, I don't know how many of you, how many of you own money? I'm not going to ask you how much. How many of you own money somehow? Own money and you guys have bills and the mail and all, 
almost the majority of you. I mean, if you don't have anything, bless the, I mean, praise the Lord. But if you do have something, I want you to do something in the next two months. Stop paying those bills. <laughs> you know what is going to happen. You are going to receive phone calls. You're going to receive letters. You're going to receive, I mean, they're going to be looking for you all over. And you're going to be like, Ugh. but let's imagine, really, you lost your job and you can't pay those bills. Are you going to be able to sleep? Are you going to be able to live in such a peace that you're going to say, let's go to the beach and enjoy. Let's just buy a new car. Let's do this. No, but are you going to be? No. You got someone behind you telling you, you need to pay. You need to pay. You need to pay. Where are you? They calling everybody. They call work. They call your grandma. They call everyone. You know, everybody. They're trying to get you pay that. And you cannot sleep. And to make sure that you don't do anything else, they ruin your credit for how long? Everybody knows that. Uh, seven years, Pastor, maybe because of the seven. That's a perfect number. And when you sin, you're not supposed to be just be living out there thinking, it's no problem, I can see. When you really have this burden of sin, and some of you know that, when you have this burden of sin that you think nobody knows, that only Jesus Christ is the only one who knows, when you have a burden of sin that is so big that you think nobody is going to understand, that you think you cannot hold it, you cannot handle anymore, sometimes you cannot even sleep because you wake up in the morning, because you wake up every day thinking, who am I to talk to this person? Who am I to talk to God? You cannot sleep. Your life is not peaceful. And on top of that, it bugs you the rest of your life until someone forgives your sins. Same thing is with debt. If any of the creditors that you know you owe money, they say, hey, Ruby, I forgive all of your debts. See like, <laughs> you kidding me? That's it. Is this my house now? Wow! When Christ comes to you and said, I forgive your sins, what are you going to do? Praise the Lord. Because at the end, at the end, when, he's read, when he tells all these things to him, like trying to get, I mean, for, trying for him to get the message clear to this Pharisee, to Simon, at the end, then Jesus, verse 48, said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go and what? But you can only go in peace if you believe that the forgiveness happened. You can only go in peace when you know that nobody else is going to be accusing you. You can only go in peace 
when you believe that Christ is the one who only, the only one who can forgive any sins. But you need to believe. You need to have faith. Brothers and sisters, start walking by faith, by believing what Christ already has done on the cross. Stop looking at your past and stop looking at somebody else's past. Start by talking less and loving more. Isn't that what the title says? It's time to move on. You see, people, they were complaining of Jesus saying, who is this guy that he can even forgive sins? And I'm going to tell you something. If you really know and if you really believe that your sins are forgiven by God, nobody has to tell you your sins have been forgiven. Not even Christ has to tell you your sins are forgiven because you already know your sins are already forgiven. And I'm going to tell you, and I'm not Christ, and I'm not any special person, but if I follow only this, if I follow what the Bible says, I'm going to tell you all of you, your sins are forgiven. And I don't want to hear somebody else tell me, who is this that can say your sins are forgiven? I'm sorry, I'm nobody, but the Bible says that. Your sins are forgiven, and mine also. Stop thinking that someone is worse than you. Stop thinking that you haven't made when the message he's trying to tell you and me is that we are all sinners and we only need, we all also need one solution. And that solution is Christ. Now go and preach that message out there. Because people need to hear that. People don't need to hear how big is your sin compared to mine and how old is your sin compared to mine. Mine is younger, so it's stronger, and yours is older, so it's a sin that is not gonna, it's gonna be there forever. It's like wine, you know, more years. Ooh. People talk more about that sin because it's tasty to talk about that sin. No. Your sins are forgiven. Love Christ. By what he has done for you. And he has done a lot. He has done a lot. I cannot see sins with this. But you know each one of them. I cannot make any changes. With my words. But only God through his Holy Spirit can make changes in your heart. Let's pray. And put our life in the hands of Christ, who is the only one who can mold our hearts, who can change our hearts, who can change our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you because through this parable, you make us realize that we are not different to anybody else on this planet. 
the only difference between everybody else is the faith and belief that we have in your forgiveness. And that faith and belief is going to make us move to do things and love you each day more and more at this moment. I want to ask for your Holy Spirit to bless each one from my brothers and sisters, including myself. And I want to ask, O oh Lord, for you to forgive all of our sins and for us to forgive all of our past, the things that we are ashamed of, and to move on, knowing that you have, you have forgiven our sins, and now we can live in peace. Because that's what we need these days. So many things happen around us. But peace is the one thing we need. And the only thing that can be provided and come from you. Help us to remember this story. Help us to practice this parable. Help us to be together as a church as a family of God, getting ready by the time Jesus comes for the second time to this planet. Help us to spread the gospel. In Jesus' name, we want to ask all of this. Amen.